0: I'm starting a new series this morning called Going Live with God. And today and next Sunday, I'm going to be talking about going live as God's family. Jesus' death and resurrection, his ascension to heaven, has created something brand new in the world. I hope brand new in you. And if it hasn't started in you, I hope that by the time we're finished today, something brand new would happen in your life. You and I can experience new life. When we put our faith in Jesus' death, in Jesus' resurrection, the same spirit that raised Jesus can create new life in you and in me. A new beginning for anyone. New people, completely new. And not only this, but we are brought into a deep relationship in this new life with God we're going to be talking about that today a resurrection relationship a family that has resurrection power in it the Easter story is part of God's full redemption plan that didn't start at the cross and it didn't end at the cross that redemption plan began with the birth of Jesus And then we have his sacrifice on the cross, of course. His burial, his resurrection, his ascension to the right hand of God. All of those things are part of the redemption story. But it doesn't end there. The coming of the Holy Spirit is part of that story. And so is the promise of Jesus coming back again. Man. Going live with God going live in a family relationship. How did that happen? God brought salvation. What does that mean? In salvation, we have forgiveness of sins. We are set free. Jesus broke the power of the devil, broke the power of sin, broke the power of death off of those who put their faith in him. And he brought into this world a new law. It's called the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. With that said, I want to talk to you about going live as a family member with God and with one another. So would you pray with me right now? Heavenly Father, we praise your glorious grace. We ask that your Holy Spirit would make this moment come alive That the eyes of our heart would be flooded with your light. And we would have the grace to believe and receive this word. Your word. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen? Because Jesus lives and the Holy Spirit is in this world now, God has a new family walking in the earth. A quickened family. A made alive family. A living community of believers filled with the fruits of the resurrection life of Jesus. And over the next few weeks, I want to take us back to where that family began. When it came alive, it was in the garden tomb. And the risen Jesus says something to his friend and follower, Mary Magdalene. And I pray that what he said, you and I will hear. And because we hear the living words of Jesus, it will cause life to build in us. And we'll see something deep and something really dynamic about a new level of intimacy we can have with the Lord and we can have with one another. Are you ready to go live, family of God? Are you ready, L-O-H, to go live with God over the next few weeks today? Let's go to the scriptures in John chapter 20, verse 1. It says this. Now, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came early to the tomb. And while it was still dark, and she saw the stone already taken away from the tomb. Now, before we go to the next verse, let me fill you in on what happens next. She leaves... And she runs to the house of Simon Peter and the Apostle John. And she says, they took the master from the tomb, and we don't know where they've put him. And so Peter and John get up and race to the tomb. John gets there first. He stoops down and looks in, and he sees the linen wrappings that held Jesus' body. They're there, and he... Doesn't go in. Simon Peter arrives, and he goes right in. He looks and sees the linen cloths, and then he sees the headpiece neatly folded, set apart somewhere else. Then John comes in, and when John sees that, he says he believes. And then they go back home, but Mary stays at the tomb, and she begins to stand there, outside the tomb, and weep. And as she's weeping, she kneels down and looks into the tomb, and she sees two men in white robes, one at the head and one at the feet of where Jesus' body was, and one of them asks her the question, woman, why are you weeping? And she says, they took my master, and I don't know where they put him. And after she says this, she turns around and she sees somebody, and it's Jesus. She doesn't know it's Jesus. She doesn't recognize him. And he asks her, woman, why are you weeping? Who are you looking for? And she says, sir, if you took him, tell me where you put him so I can go and care for him. And then Jesus says to her, Mary. And she turns and sees him and says in the Hebrew language, Rabboni, which means my teacher. And Jesus says to her, stop clinging to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Jesus' words for her are filled with love. The Anglican Archbishop Richard Trench said, Jesus didn't reveal himself to Mary by telling her who he was, but by telling her who she was to him. Spurgeon said, Jesus can preach a perfect sermon with one word. He said her name, and she says, my teacher, my rabbi. She starts to cling to him. I think that's such a beautiful picture because, listen, Mary, Mary's devotion, she went to the cross. She stayed there the whole time, one of the few. All the other disciples except John ran She went to the foot of that cross. She went to the burial site. She watched with her heart breaking as Joseph and Nicodemus placed Jesus' body in Joseph's newly fashioned tomb. And then she went back after Shabbat with more spices and more linen, and she's clinging in her heart to the memory of her dear teacher. And then Jesus appears. And she begins to cling to him, wouldn't you? And Jesus says to her, stop clinging to me. And he tells her why. We have more to do today. I haven't yet ascended. We're going to come back to that. But then Jesus gives her a message. And this is the message for us today, church. This is the message about going live that I want to share with you today. It's about an enhancement, a quickening, a resurrection breath on our intimacy with God. And here's what Jesus said for Mary to go and tell Peter, James, John, and the rest. Go to my brethren and say to them, I ascend to my father and your father and my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene came, announcing to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. Jesus' words are of such high importance and such deep meaning, it's going to take me two weeks to unpack this. Jesus is saying something extremely important here. A lot of the things that Jesus says after the resurrection are not really looked at and, and really grasped as deep as they should be. And here is one. This is world-shaking for a believer who gets this. This is a complete change of a relationship between God and believers that's taking place right here in these words. This is a brand new way of seeing God and seeing yourself, all because of what Jesus says to Mary to go and tell the disciples. Go and tell my brothers that I am ascending to my Father and your Father, my God and your God. Tell my brothers. Who is talking here? This is the second member of the triune Godhead, the God who lives in unapproachable light, the holy servant of Yahweh says, tell my, my brothers. I checked with some great preachers on this point, wanting to make sure I wasn't exaggerating this point. Here's what Spurgeon said. I do not remember that the Lord Jesus ever called his disciples his brothers till that time. He called them servants. He called them friends. But now that he has risen from the dead, he says, my brothers. And then he enhances this point with the rest of the message. I ascend to my Father and your Father. My God and your God. Equal relationship status for me, I pass on to you. You have my Father too, brothers. Do you see it? Going live into an intimacy with God and with Jesus never before available in the world, a family enhancement, a resurrected intimacy. In that moment, in those words that Jesus says, go tell the disciples that they're my brothers, that I share with them the same relationship I have with my father. He's their father, our father. Father! See, Jesus never stops being the Holy One or loses His status as the only begotten Son of God. Jesus is the only one worthy to be praised. And Yahweh Himself said that He would not share His glory with another. But, because of what Jesus has done, not only as the Son of God, but as the Son of Man, our kinsmen relative. The one who became like us. He did not lose his glory or his status or his divinity. His Father's will was to bring us into his status. My God and your God, my Father, your Father. Saint Augustine explains it like this, as if Jesus says, he is mine in another sense, he is yours, by nature mine, by grace yours. My God, under whom I also am as a man, your God, between whom and you I am a mediator. Wow. The greatest cry of every human heart, knowing and unknowing. The greatest cry in the heart is to be brought back into a love relationship with the Father of their spirit, the Father of your spirit, who is the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. Look what God has done, and Jesus is describing what God wants for every person right there outside of a a tomb. He is alive and calling us to go live with him. The Apostle Paul is all over this. Why? Because God's grace was poured out all over Paul. And he had a revelation of this. He had a revelation into what God always wanted. And what is that? You and I and everybody in the world back into the original intention God has for people. And that's what Paul is trying to describe in the writings to the letter of the, to the Ephesians. In the first chapter, Paul, Paul hardly puts, he doesn't put a period anywhere. He just can't stop. And he is so overwhelmed with this idea, and he starts in verse 3 of the first chapter, and he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. Wow. Let's keep going. In love, he predestined us to, ready, adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself. Now, did he really want to do this? Did he really want us like this? Well, he goes on and says, according to the kind intention of his will. To the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. To the praise of the glory of his grace is my favorite phrase in the whole New Testament. Every now and then I'm just walking around and I just say, to the praise of your glorious grace. I praise your glorious grace, Lord. You know what I'm doing? I'm focusing on him. God wants us to focus on Him, on the Father. We are blessed to have been given such an indescribable gift, but greater than the gift is the giver of the gift. He deserves all the glory for this, to the praise of the glory of His grace. Why does God deserve praise for all of this? You know why? We weren't cute little orphans. When Jesus says, Go and tell my brothers, I ascend to my Father and your Father, my God and your God, this good news that God so loved the world that he wanted us to be brought back to his original intention for us, it's not because we were cute little orphans. Let me tell you who we were and who we are if we're not in Christ sinners, not mess ups. Rebellion by choice sinners, blind, willfully, willfully disobedient. Yet, to the praise of his glory, not because we were something, he is something. He came for us. Watch this, chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. And you, me, you and me, the world, you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked, look how he describes how we lived and how people live, according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, you know what, that's the devil, that's Satan, and he's saying we walked according to Satan's drumbeat of the spirit that's now working in the sons of disobedience. Verse 3, Among them we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. What did we just read? We just read, listen, listen, The world today, they love to hear that God loves us just the way we are, right? Well, let me tell you what the Bible says. The Bible says we weren't cute little cuddly orphans who got lost from daddy in the toy store. No. We were rebels by choice, siding with a dark prince who brought hell into the world. But God, not but us, not because we were something, because he, but God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in our transgressions. Now I'm going to define going live right here. Made us alive together with Christ. That means the same resurrection that power that went into Jesus of Nazareth's body went into ours by the Holy Spirit. But that's not where it ends, and that's where many Christians end right there. I've been born again, but that's not where it ends. Not only made alive. He says, "And and raised us up with him." And Ready? Seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. My brothers, my father, your father. For that, he deserves the glory. This is what every soul truly aches for and tries to fill with everything but the only thing, which is being brought back into this going live intimacy with God, with Jesus, in a father-son, father-daughter relationship, in the heights of God's blessing and the kind intention of his will, wanting to overwhelm all of us with that grace. God's heart longs for people to have their eyes open, and Satan passionately longs to keep people's eyes blinded. God longs for his people to live deeply in the fountains of all these things. Why did God move to make us go live? Why did he do that? He says to Mary, go tell my brothers, my father is their father. My God is their God. Why? Paul knows why. Paul's all into this. Verse 7, he says, So that in the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. We're talking about going live with God. We're talking about going live in family. For by grace you've been saved through faith, not of ourselves. It's not of ourselves. It's a gift. Man, to the praise of the... So that we can't boast. We can't boast. When I think of this, I think that the church should go back for a moment, or two, or a hundred, and mourn again. I believe that the world should mourn over missing out on this for so long. Mourn that we chose our wickedness when God chose to send his own son for us. It bothers me that there's so many people that know in their head what Jesus did, but walk right past it as if it doesn't matter. And the reason is, is because we think we're cute little cuddly kids that lost daddy at the toy store. No! We were rebellious, willfully choosing to march to the beat of the dark prince that brought hell into the world. But God loved us in so much that he sent his son to be bludgeoned beyond recognition, to pay and the ultimate price that, was, that we couldn't pay, take our penalty that he didn't deserve, and willingly then pass on this inheritance. We should mourn that he died for us while we followed a wicked prince. We should mourn this, but then, but then, and if we, can, if we would mourn this right, we can do this next thing. Then, so important. Then, come in. And enter into the greatness of His grace. Enter into the greatness of his grace and allow his garments to be placed on us because God wants to place his garments of blessing on every person in the world. Not because of who we are, because of who he is to the praise of the glory of his grace because this is who he is and this is who Jesus wanted us to know and why he carried a cross on that hill. We honor him by coming and embracing this grace rejoicing in praise of the kind intention of his will. We honor him by stepping into our sonship and our family inheritance. Boy, God the Father is something, huh? Something. You know, the Pharisees, they saw it very scandalous that Jesus claimed a unique intimacy with God. They said, we aren't choosing to stone you because of the miracles. No, but because you, being a man, quote, make yourself equal with God. Here's the question for me and for you as Christians. Do we find Jesus' words to Mary and the disciples scandalous? I mean, is it a little weird or uncomfortable for Jesus to say that you're, you're not only his disciple, you're you, if you're a guy and you're in faith, in faith you're his brother, Sister in faith, you're his brother, you're his sister, and he's your brother? My father, your father, and my father, you can call him father, have the same? Jesus changed the world. His resurrection statements right here make all things new, all things new. Why did the Jewish leaders feel justified in putting Jesus to death. Simple. He claimed a one-of-a-kind, only-for-him relationship with God. Are you the son of God? He said, I am. And Matthew, are you the son of the blessed? He said, I am. And they went, oh. then he added, he went, and, wait, wait a minute, you, you will see me standing at the right hand of the power of God. You know what that means, he said to them? Not only am I the son of God, you will see me standing at the right hand. That's the favor. I am in the position of favor and authority with God Almighty. And the high priest tore his robes, thinking that was the most blasphemous statement any human could ever make. And it was if you weren't who that person was. Do you realize how scandalous it is to accept what Jesus says to Mary in the eyes of religious spirits? This is what got Paul hated and kicked out of the Jewish synagogue. This is why they plotted his assassination. It's why Saul, before he became Paul, breathed murderous threats against the disciples of the Lord. Because Paul was offering, through the gospel, sonship instead of slavery to religion. He was accused of saying that you didn't have to obey, that you were free from judgment, free from keeping the law of Moses, that you're an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus. If Jesus is at the right hand of God, Ephesians 1 says, We've been raised up to sit with him. Where is he seated? As we close, I want to do this little mind checklist. I want to do a little mind checklist with you on how you see God and how you see yourself with God. A mind checklist. All right? Here we go. Ready? When you see yourself and you see God, do you see God as my father of glory or my ju- the judge of my guilt? I mean, that that inner place in you, that inner emotion, that go-to first place. When you think of God in worship or whatever, is he my father of glory or judge of my guilt? How about this one? Is it a family idea or a foreign? Am I a family member or am I a foreigner? Here's one regarding the coming of the Lord. If someone talks about the coming of the Lord, does it, immediately bring you to a place of faithful expectancy or fearful and unsettled. When you pray, focus on father and son, father, daughter, or your honor, I throw myself on the mercy of the court. The mindset difference is not a small matter. It's a watershed moment. Because Jesus knows that we cannot see ourselves as slaves and live in the life of the grace of God as sons and daughters. You know, when you go to your family's gatherings, do you think it's disrespectful to show up joyful, fun-filled expectancy, light-hearted anticipation? No. Why do we feel that it would be disrespectful to come into the presence of God with fun-filled expectancy, lighthearted anticipation, and joy? Do you go to your family, and as soon as you enter in, ask forgiveness for not being a good son or daughter as soon as you arrive? No, of course not. When you pray, is that the first thing that we talk about? When you go to your parents' or your grandparents' house, are you, do you feel comfortable to go to the fridge, flop on the couch? If someone says Jesus could be coming, does fear of not being ready hit you? Or do you think my eyes will soon see the one that I've been walking with by faith all these years? It's a mindset checklist. Father of glory, judge of my guilt family or foreigner listen the one who said it is finished was really saying it's just getting started for those who believe raised up from the grave to say go tell my brothers, we're going to talk more about that next week, I know it's hard to get that one that I'm ascending to my father and your father my God and your God So here's the last thing I wanna say on the screen. Jesus gives believers permission to live freely. He said, the slave does not remain in the house forever. The son does remain forever. So if the son, that's him, makes you free, you will be free indeed. Believers, L-O-H, my Christian friends, we need to make the shift from a slave mindset under the law to a son or daughter in the beloved. You say, how do I do that, Tim? Here's how you do it. You faith it. You faith it. And then I would encourage you to start a month of meditation on it. Faith it, and take a month of meditation on it. What do you mean? I mean, find sonship passages and don't move away from them until you're rooted, until you feel you're going live. You say, well, I'm not a believer, Tim. I've, listened, I've, I've been listening to you for a while and I'm around it and I'm getting, but I, li, I want you to listen to the words of Jesus' friend. Sin and slavery go hand in hand. You can't walk away from one or one of those. If you walk in sin, slavery's right there. But Jesus broke the power of your sin on the cross, and he buried your sin and my sin and every sinner's sin in the grave, and then he rose so every sinning sinner can come back to life, freed from those sins, and become a son or a daughter of God. But... You have to turn, you have to turn it all over to Jesus. All. You have to get out and get in. And here's how Paul described it. Are are you listening to me? This, this, this This could make you go live. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is your Lord, out of your mouth, and believe that in your heart, that God raised him from the dead, you will be set free from slavery to sin, slavery to everything, anything, and be made by the power of the Holy Spirit a child of God. Man. For with your heart you believe to become righteous. And with your mouth confession of Jesus being your Lord, that's made into your deliverance. And you go live. Would you pray with me? Right now. It's your go live moment. Right now. You bow your head before God, before Jesus. Say this with me in your heart Jesus, I confess my sin. I have lived as a sinner. I have followed the world. I've followed the devil. I didn't know that. I don't want that. I renounce that. I don't want that. Jesus, I confess that you are Lord over my whole life. I say it out of my mouth. I believe your death paid my price and broke the power of sin off me for good. And I believe God raised you up, and I can be raised up too. I confess with my mouth, you are my Lord. You are alive. I confess with my mouth, I want to be in with you. And so I ask you, save me, wash me, cleanse me. Lord, lift me up to the place the Father wants me to be by the power of the Holy Spirit and fill me with your Holy Spirit and change my life forever. Now some of you believers heard me praying that prayer and you think to yourself, I need a prayer, I know. I need a prayer too. I wanna go live, don't you? More. Let's pray this prayer. Father, I praise the glory of your grace. Open the eyes of my heart To see and then believe that I have been made your child, your son, your daughter, and I'm an heir because of Jesus' sacrifice and his resurrection and his ascension. I choose with my will to believe and receive the good news of the good news. He who the Son sets free is truly free. And so I want to come into that place of glorious, liberating freedom as a child of God. Help all of us, Lord, to live in clarity and have the courage to believe and receive everything you want us to experience in your beloved Son, Jesus Christ. And we praise your glorious grace. Would you lift up your hands to heaven where you are in your living room? If your kids are there, your family's there, if you're by yourself, if you're in your bedroom watching this, if you're driving, listening in your car, would you just lift your heart? And if you're not driving, would you lift your hands and say this? Lord, I want to praise your glorious grace. Lord, I want to live to the praise of your glorious grace. And I am believing that the power that raised Jesus up is empowering my life to be raised up, to be seated with you, Jesus, where you are at the Father's right hand. And now you're going to teach me and teach us what That power is worth in this world. We thank you for your living word. And we thank you for those that received Jesus today who are listening and watching this all over the place. Thank you for new life, new brothers, new sisters, new family members. Lord, I pray that this would be the greatest week of our lives of faith as we go live with God sons and daughters for he who the sun sets free is free indeed do you believe that do you receive that god bless you i receive it too stay in the word meditate on these sun passages the sonship passages and get rooted in the living freedom of jesus christ god bless you